Hey, I want to welcome you to uh, FBCO this morning. We're glad to have you worshiping with us. And some of you may know already in two weeks, or actually the 17th, that Wednesday night, and then on the 21st, two weeks from today, we'll be gathered. We'll have worship in person as well as online. We'll keep doing worship online, of course. And some of you, that'll be a good option for you if you're in a vulnerable category, of course, or if you're sick, of course, or you're just not ready. We understand you can watch online. We love for that hap- to happen. And some of you will be able to gather with us, and I'll look forward to that because I can barely see you in that little screen right now. I love the idea of preaching, you know, kind of to some people in person as well, beginning soon. And um, if you'd like to contact us, you want to find out more about our church, you want to talk to someone more about trusting Christ as Savior, or you have prayer requests, or you'd like to join, participate in our small group life groups, small group Bible studies, we'd love to help in all those ways. Just contact us, and you see the information on the bottom of the screen, and we'll be happy to help in every way that we can. And uh, let's open our Bibles now. And if you'll get your Bible, open it, take some notes, have something to write with and something to write on. I want you to note some things as we talk this morning about powerful words. And I want us to open our Bibles to James chapter 5, and we'll begin reading with verse 12. James, the book of James chapter 5, verse 12, and we've been working our way through the entire book of James and come now to the last section. Would you follow along? It'll be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles there, you can follow that way as well. The Bible says, Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no, so that you won't fall under judgment. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a human being as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the air of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Well, I want you to note some principles with me as we talk about powerful words this morning. Some of you may remember, there's a saying when I was a kid, I don't know how much it's used anymore. It said, it was about sticks and stones. Do you remember this? It said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I came to realize that was a lie. (laughs) That wasn't true. I mean, words don't hurt us in the physical sense, but they certainly can hurt uh, deeply to our lives. And You know that from your own experience. You've probably used words in a way that has hurt others and you've been hurt by the words of others. And I want to talk about the powerful words God talks to us about in his word. He he gives words to us so that we'll understand and he talks to us about how we use our words. So let's note four principles and then we'll have some steps to take. Number one, would you note our word stands. Our Our word stands. Verse 12 says, above all, brothers and sisters, don't swear. He says, don't swear by heaven or by earth. Now, he's not just talking about profanity, though certainly the Bible talks about profanity. When (laughs) our culture has just embraced profanity as never before, but God cares about how we use our speech. But he's talking here specifically about the promises that we make. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no, so that you won't fall under judgment. He's saying your word 
matters and it stands. And he's talking here about a couple of words you might write down in your notes. Honesty and integrity. Honesty and integrity. And these words, of course, will always matter. Now, you business fellers know, <laughs> if you're in the business world, you men and women who, who are in there, you know. In fact, it's not just the business world. You make contracts in the business world, but it's not just there. In almost any transaction we make in life, we have to have contracts. And we do that because we want someone to keep what they promise. And so that contract is a legally binding statement. Now, you, someone can say something and not mean it. And so we've realized that to make it legally binding, we have a contract. But there's a difference between a contract and your word. I mean, both are saying, this is what I'm going to do. But some people will give the word and not mean it, not keep it. And so we have, in our culture, we have to have contracts. And you ought to have contracts because uh, uh, people can use words to say what they don't mean and not mean what they say and not keep their word. And so we need that legal, uh, legally binding contract. But there is something about you, believer, that ought to be so that you can just give your word. Now, you're going you're gonna to do a contract, of course, but your word ought to be as binding on you as any contract is legally binding. And our word stands. And so the Bible says, when you, when, when you give your word, that means something. You stand on that. There's a power to that. There's a second principle I'd like you to know with me, and that is our response matters. The Bible's saying the way we use our words include, includes how we respond, and we're going to look at how we respond to several different situations. There is a war going on in my house, in my home. It's a war. It's not between me and Vicki. Uh, we're on the same side. Eh, there's some friendly fire on occasion between us, so we'd both admit, but we're on the same side. But the war that we have going on in our home is me versus carpenter bees. I didn't even really know what carpenter bees until, what they were until relatively recently. But carpenter bees, look, they look like a bumblebee, but they're, they don't sting. They're not a bumblebee. They actually will drill holes with their little mouths. They drill holes in wood, and that's where they put their larvae. It's where they lay their eggs. And they will do damage to wood just by drilling these holes in the wood. And so they started on our swing set. My wife and I will sit sometimes out on the swing. And they started drilling holes there. And if I, listen, if I just let it go, if I don't respond, eventually we'll be sitting on that swing set and we will fall to the ground. Because those little carpenter bees will have done their work and that work will cause damage. And so I've been at war with them. In fact, I found... I, you know, I tried everything and I went on YouTube and I started using this um, a clear flex seal. And that seems to have worked better than anything else I've tried so far. And that battle is going on because I know if I don't, if I don't respond, there's going to be some problems long term with our, in our home. And so I want to talk about how we respond to various situations because the Bible is teaching us about the response that we have and the way we use our words. So let's just note uh, uh, some different responses. The first question he says is, are you suffering? Is there any among you suffering? Well, listen, there's plenty of suffering in our world. This is a broken world. It's a fallen world. We see the evidence of that in disease. We see the evidence in that in the way people treat each other. We see the evidence of that in our own country and certainly around the world. It's a broken world and sin has affected this world. And so sinful people do sinful things. 
Broken people do broken things. This world is broken by sin and we are sinners as well. And so we just keep adding to the brokenness of our world. So is there any suffering? Of course. We suffer because we are living in a broken world. We suffer because of the own, our own choices sometimes, the own decisions. Sometimes we suffer because of the results of others. Sometimes through no fault of our own. In fact, if you follow the Lord, there'll be some suffering that could come just because you're, follow, you're doing the right thing and you're following the Lord. So suffering is a real part of our world. And the Bible says, if you're suffering, here's how you respond. He should pray. That's how we respond. We go to God with our problems. We don't just turn inward. We don't just uh, uh, express our frustration and th uh, throw a tantrum. Or We bring these things to God. He should pray. Well, then he says a, a second response. Is anyone cheerful? Any of you watching this uh, cheerful? It's been kind of an odd time in our, in our lives, um, in times of social isolation. This, some of you will be listening to this later, but you'll remember back to this time of social isolation when we're kind of separated and it's caused a lot of anxiety and even depression for many people. But maybe, maybe you've had some uh, cheer. Maybe you just, you know, the other day, I, we were praying before our meal and it just struck me how seldom I really thank the Lord. I mean, I say I thank you for the food, of course, but I've just struck by how God had blessed us to be able to have provisions and food. And there was a cheer in my heart over God's provision. So here's what the Bible says. Here's how we ought to respond. When there's cheerfulness in your heart, the Bible says, sing praises. Singing is a gift God gives. Some of you are better at it than others. <laughs> you know, some are more talented and gifted, but we ought to sing praise to the Lord. It doesn't matter. By the way, do not get hung up on the issue of style in singing. The Bible does not tell us the style. It tells us the, uh, the person that we're praising. We're giving praise to God. Notice what it says here. Sing praise. Praise is where we're thanking God for who he is. And I want you to remember when you're blessed, when, if, you're, if you have some cheer in your heart, some joy in your heart, that God in heaven is the one who's brought those blessings. And these are a foretaste of the joy we're going to get fully experienced in heaven. And so we ought to sing praise to him. And we use our voices, good, whether they're great or not so great, and we praise the Lord. We sing praise out of the joy of our heart. Is anyone sick, the Bible says? How do we respond when we're sick? Well, the Bible says, let him call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. That is where to pray with others. Many of many times we've used this verse, uh, the elders of our church, our, our staff or our deacons who have gone to people who requested us and prayed for them in particular. And God has used that in the lives of people on many occasions. We know that, listen, we can't uh, heal anybody by our power. The Lord is mighty to heal. And so we bring these requests to the Lord. We pray, and but we ask others to pray with us. When there's a need, we ask others to join us in prayer. It's not just, it's not just our prayer, but there's a power to the prayer of others. And so we pray, and the Bible talks about calling for the elders and anointing with oil and praying for that person and how God is able, the prayer of faith, the Bible says, will save the sick person. God is able to do that. And then the Bible talks about our response to the, to the times when we have committed sin. The Bible says in verse 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. We confess when we've wronged others and we pray and we seek the Lord's forgiveness. The Lord is a forgiving God. And I am, of course, exceptionally thankful that the Lord forgives us. That's one of the reasons why we forgive others. But there's a 
blessing to confessing to others when we've wronged them, when we've harmed them or hurt them in some way. And there's a power to that, and God uses that. In fact, when we fail to do that, it stymies our, our prayer, stymies our relationship with God. Our response matters. Now, you may not realize this, but there's a battle going on in your home and in your life and in your spirit right now. There's a war, and it might not be just with carpenter bees, but it's a spiritual battle that's taking place, and the enemy is fighting against you. And how you respond to those kinds of attacks matters, whether you're suffering or cheerful or sick or there's sin involved, whatever it might be, how we respond matters. Ultimately, we're to bring those things to God. Now, there's a third principle I want you to note with me, and that is our prayer impacts. Our prayer impacts. When I talk about powerful words, there's no more powerful words than the power of prayer. Notice what the Bible says here at the end of verse 16. The prayer of a righteous person, notice this, the prayer of a righteous person the person who's right with God, the person who's seeking the Lord, the person who's obeying the Lord, the person who's following the Lord. This isn't just uh, bail me out, God, but the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. And when we seek God, we're following God, we're obeying God, our spirit is like the spirit of the Lord himself, when we're obeying what God wants us to do, following him, the righteous person, one who is saved, one who is growing, one who is following, one who is living out that faith, it's powerful in its effect. It makes a difference. God responds to our prayers. God responds to our prayers in a way that he doesn't when we don't. I can't fully understand why God uses prayer as he does, but I know God calls us to pray and he responds to our prayer, to our prayer and he invites us to seek his face in prayer. And there is a power, it's powerful in its effect. It changes things. God changes things through prayers. One of the reasons why we've emphasized prayer so much this year, we're asking people to pray seriously for our church and, and at least once this year to pray a full hour, a full hour for your church to pray earnestly before the Lord. And then the Bible uses this to give the example of Elijah. And I'm, I'm going to preach on Elijah, Lord willing, the next couple of Sundays. I, a couple of my favorite messages in the Bible, really meaningful, the high of Elijah, the low of Elijah, the most, uh, you know, kind of the great moment for the prophet and the real teaching moment for the prophet. And those two messages sort of go together. I hope you can join me for those next two Sunday morning sermons. I, I, I just think they're as uh, important in my life. God used them in my life as much as anything. And Elijah, the Bible says, was a human being. He wasn't, I mean, he wasn't God. He wasn't an angel. He was a human like we are. And he prayed earnestly. And God used Elijah to speak to the people, to speak to the nation, really to turn them back to God, even though the nation was going the wrong way uh, quickly and rapidly. Their culture was declining in every way. And God used his prayer to bring a famine to the land and then to bring a drought to the land and then to bring rain and harvest to the land. God used the prayer of this righteous man. Listen, if you will be a righteous person, God will use your prayers to impact. God does things through prayer. Seek the Lord and then seek his face and then spend time talking to the Lord. And there is a power to prayer. There's a power to that. And I'm going to ask you to do that this week. I'll talk more about it in a moment. Number four, would you write these words down as we talk about powerful words? Our love corrects. Our love corrects. Go to verse 19. 
My brothers and sisters, this is how this book of the Bible, this great book we've been looking at is going to end. It's called us back to family relationship. My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the air of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. Now it's talking about a couple of things here. Certainly to some extent, it's talking about discipleship, or we might even call it apologetics, where we're calling people to follow the truth. We love the Bible. We teach the Bible. We emphasize the Bible. We preach the Bible. We sing about the Bible. We study the Bible in our life groups because we believe God's word is true and that we need to know what God has to say and not just what we feel, not just what we like, not just what the culture says. And uh, we need apologetics. We need to uh, call people to a right understanding of God's word to seek the Lord. And there's certainly some to that. But the primary emphasis here is more than just discipleship, more than just, more than just calling back people right to right theological paths, though that's important. But in this particular context, it's talking about evangelism. It's talking about turning a sinner from the air of his way so that his soul will be saved from death <laughs> and uh, a multitude of sins covered. We're calling people to trust Christ as Savior. We want them to grow in their faith and to follow the Lord, but we also want them to come to know Christ as Savior. And you know something? You need Christ as Savior. Jesus said, one time this guy named Nicodemus, a very religious guy, came to Jesus. And he uh, asked Jesus questions. And Jesus said this to him. Jesus said, you must be born again, he said to Nicodemus. Doesn't that sound odd to you? You must be born again. He didn't say you must be religious. Nicodemus was religious. He needed something more. He didn't just say try hard and do better, be a better person. Nicodemus, by the world's standards, was a pretty good person. He was moral and, and uh, tried to do the right things, but there was something missing on the inside. There's, more, there's something more that you need than just religion or to try to do better, be a better person. You need to be born again, Jesus said. You need to be saved. And so here's what, here's what the Bible says. We've all sinned, we're separated from God, and we need what Christ has done for us. He lived the life we couldn't live, the perfect life. And therefore, he could die the death we deserve on that cross. And he rose from the grave and conquered sin and death and hell. And if you will repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus and his death and resurrection for you and ask him to save you, receive him as Savior, he will save you. I'm asking you to do that today. I'm asking you to give your life to Christ today and to be saved and to be born again, as Jesus said, and to follow Christ. And he will bless that and guide you in that. And he will help you to be the person that deep inside, you could never be without him. And so I, we've been talking about powerful words. I want to make some application here with what I'm calling steps to take. And I've got two steps to take. Number one, I want to ask you to guard your words with God's help. Guard your words with God's help. Words are powerful. Sticks and stones uh, break our spirits and they do damage to us. So I want to ask you to ask God with, by the help of the Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to guard your hearts and guard your words and guard what you say. Beware of anger and gossip. Beware of stirring up strife. Isn't that the American way today? Just stir up strife. Beware of that thoughtlessness, just speaking without thinking. Guard your words. Would you ask God to help you to guard your words so that what you say, you say carefully and wisely. The Bible, remind, remember the Bible says we're to be slow to speak. We're quick to hear, but slow to speak and slow to anger. And then there's a second step I want to ask you to take. I want to ask you to spend time in earnest prayer this week. Spend time in earnest prayer this week. Notice I said this week. 
I'm not just talking about someday. A lot of people, there are a lot of good intentions that never get done. But this week, I want to ask you to spend time in earnest prayer. Notice I said earnest prayer. The Bible says earnest prayer makes a difference. That was the prayer of Elijah. He was seeking the Lord. He was, he was not just saying some words. Sometimes prayer just becomes routine and we just say words that just, God wants earnest prayer from our heart. When's the last time you really prayed for our nation? Our nation needs our prayers. Maybe this week you'd pray. Pray deeply, earnestly for your family. To pray for your parents or your brothers or sisters or maybe your children or maybe grandchildren that you'd really seek the Lord for them. Spend some time praying for the people you work with or the people in your neighborhood. Or maybe God's put some people in your life or some needs on your heart that you just really pour out to God. And I'm just saying, get alone with God this week, alone with God, and pour out your heart. Confess what you need to confess to God. Praise Him for who He is. Thank Him for what He's done. Pray for others and pray for yourself. God will bless that. Prayer is powerful. And while you're praying, when you say, God, would you help me to be righteous, to come to, to know you as Savior. And if you don't know Him as Savior, come to know Him. But if you know him as Savior, to say, God, I want to live the life that you saved me to live. I want to follow you. God will bless that, and he'll honor your prayers. There's power to words, and there's power to prayer. I want to ask you to do that this week. Will you, will you join me for a word of prayer right now, right where you are? Do you need to trust Christ to stay? Is there some area you know God wants you to obey him in, something you know he wants you to do or to remove or to change? I want to ask you right where you are today, say yes to Jesus. I'm going to change what you want to change in me, to remove from my life what you want me to remove, to add, to correct, to follow, to understand, or to do more than just, more than just to commit, but to follow through and to live out the life you have for me. Maybe right where you are, would you say, God, this week, would you help me to spend some time in earnest prayer? Not just a little flippant prayer, earnest prayer. God, help me to do that. Lord, thank you for your word. There's a power to this great book of the Bible. Thank you for teaching us through it. Thank you for using it in our lives. Lord, help us this week to apply this in our lives for your glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.